Welcome to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network, a show that streams health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. You can download all Kidney Talk shows from iTunes and find a variety of resources to help you navigate this illness at rsnhope.org. Please welcome your host, Lori Hartwell, who has lived with kidney disease since the age of two. Well, welcome to the show, everybody. Today, we have two special guests, Dr. Doug Johnson from DCI, Dialysis Centers Incorporated, and Dr. Tom Parker, who is an MD and the Chief Medical Officer of Renal Ventures Management. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming National Renal Administrators Association meeting that's going to be held in the 1st of October in Seattle. And they're going to be providing a very special meeting for medical directors. So can um, you tell us a little bit about what that's about? In March of um, earlier this year, in March of this year, we had a meeting in Chicago um, with chief medical officers from 14 different dialysis providers. And as a group, um, these providers care for about 80% of the patients in the United States. And um, I, I really think Tom Parker was the primary driver for this meeting um, and really have been honored to be able to participate with him in the meeting. One of the things, we, it was a fantastic meeting, and to me what was wonderful about the meeting was that each of pretty much all the members who came to the meeting openly shared both their successes and their failures and in interventions to improve care. And so it was really a great chance for us to learn from each other. After that meeting, one of the big questions was, what can we do to share this information to those individuals who were not able to be at that meeting? Um, and so we really see this meeting at NRAA as an opportunity to share what we learned at that meeting in, in, in March um, with other individuals so that everybody can benefit um, from what's working and, and what our challenges are in improving care for patients with kidney disease. If I could expand on what uh, Doug said, you know, each provider spends an awful lot of time meeting the usual quality indicators, the QIP and all of that stuff. And yet, most of the chief medical officers know that simply meeting those quality indicators that, that have been set by CMS really does not significantly change patient outcomes. And so we've each Almost all of the providers have individual other programs that they're doing that they believe will tremendously change uh, how patients do their hospitalizations, their mortality rate, their quality of life. You know, whether it's simple things like very assertive, aggressive programs to get catheters out, uh, very assertive programs to control extracellular volume very assertive nutritional programs. And so this was really an opportunity to not talk about the traditional indicators and how you meet those and what we're all doing for that, but it was to talk about those exceptional programs. And one of the conditions, as Doug mentioned, of coming to the meeting was that you had to agree to share your programs. If you were just going to come there and be a passive bystander and not really contribute your protocols or uh, how you were uh, making a difference, then you weren't invited. And so it, the, the sense of uh, major providers, which represented over 80% of the patients undergoing dialysis in the United States, coming together and being willing to share rather than compete 
it was the first meeting of its kind. And so how do you then, as Doug said, propagate that? Well, Nephrology News and Issues is publishing uh, certain uh, white papers on some of the programs that we're all doing and we agreed to, and then this meeting that uh, you're doing, and there'll be other meetings coming up. Well, you know, I always think it's important to let patients know that they don't realize that the medical director of their facility is like the captain of their boat. And if the medical director does not set the standards for that facility, it's really hard for some of the other, you know, dietitian or social worker or technician to really improve quality if the medical director is not guiding that boat correctly. That's sort of the reason that Doug came up with the idea, now that we've met with chief medical officers, and the chief medical officers of companies have agreed these are the things we are going to do, how do, you, how do you then get the message to the medical directors and then to other staff physicians? And so that's part of why we're having this initial foray into the NRA. Well, I know that um, RSN has been very involved in the quality measures, you know, and, and for people listening, you know, CMS, Medicare, has created certain standards that dialysis facilities have to meet, and there's different quality measures, and if they don't meet those quality measures, they are... Uh, um, dinged a percentage of payment. And there's a lot of debate in the community of what kind of measures should be out there. And one of the measures that I think patients are going to resonate with, and if you have any input on, is hypercalcemia. Because, you know, patients like to eat phosphorus. (laughs) I like to eat phosphorus. And it's really difficult to control sometimes. So any thoughts on that measure? Well, there's been a huge amount of discussion about the hypercalcemia measure, and uh, there's a consternation among the chief medical officers and even among some of the other organizations, including the ASN. I just saw a memo from them a couple of hours ago as to why hypercalcemia has been chosen as a measure. We have been unable to ascertain any evidence-based process suggest that doing something about hypercalcemia will really make a significant difference in patients' lives. And so as to whether that measure stands as a quality indicator versus, say, a reporting indicator is really out for a discussion right now. And it's probably, I probably shouldn't say this, but I think it's probably unlikely that it will stand as a quality indicator. Well, I know, Dr. Parker, you and I go back many years because we were huge advocates of the CRIT line in fluid management. And was there any discussion at this meeting about fluid management? Absolutely. Uh, it was. Uh, if you look at the top three or four things that we as providers can do to change patient outcomes, it was in the top three or four. And more and more providers are beginning to pilot programs to uh, gain objective measurement of of fluid uh, status of patients versus just subjectively trying to determine what their dry weight is. And at least four of the providers have already implemented uh, programs. There may be more, but only four of them have corresponded with me. That's huge. Going into the meeting, there was only one. Uh, so if we can gain, you know, a 400% change, 
change in six months that shows you uh, the power of, uh, of, of this meeting. And I think it's not only that more providers are doing it, um, but it's the opportunity to learn from each other. So on, on the DCI side, we had been interested in, in implementing a pilot to look at the benefit for, crit, for using CritLine in the clinics. And after the meeting, Tom Parker invited us to come visit one of his clinics so we could see how Renal Ventures is implementing the use of CritLine. And it's been very helpful for us as we're looking forward um, to better ways to control volume or to work with our patients on controlling their volume status. Well, you know, I think this meeting, you know, is important because knowledge comes, you know, learning from each other. And, you know, patients do that a lot when we come together as, you know, and have our meetings and we have certain topics. But out of the meeting, was there anything specifically that you need patients to do? Because predominantly our audience is patients and family members and some healthcare professionals. So what are the, th- the three things that patients can do to improve their outcomes? So, Laurie, number one, I really have a concern, and I don't know whose responsibility this is to give patients permission, but I think number one is for patients to uh, be accountable for their own care and to ask questions and to uh, know what the best care is. The best care is not three and a quarter hours of dialysis. The best care is more time on dialysis. The best care is not to skip the occasional dialysis. The best care is to not to have a catheter. The best care is to not be satisfied with an albumin of 3.4 because of your eating habits. They can't do anything about inflammation, but they can certainly do something about their uh, eating habits. And so there are a number of things that patients need to understand that is their best care, and they need to insist on that from their caregiver. They need to insist that they have longer dialysis rather than insisting that they have shorter dialysis. They need to insist that their catheter be uh, taken out. So I think number one and foremost is patients uh, becoming accountable. Well, I, you know, I have a lot of conversations with patients and some of them who have catheters. And sometimes it's hard to convince them because they're so afraid of needles. But I remind them that it's the highest rate of mortality for people on dialysis, period. Are you, are you ready to do that Russian roulette? And sometimes it's hard, you know, they think, well, it couldn't happen to me. <laughs> and, um, you know, do you have any strategies that you discussed at the meeting? Or maybe that's a, another meeting for patients to get together and decide how to convince their peers. We had strategies, and Alan Nissenson and others presented uh, some very uh, provocative uh, techniques. Alan has had a model of a heart made, showing that the catheter goes right down into the heart. Well, do you want this thing flipping around in your heart? He also has a slide and posters made showing the catheter, calling it the tube of death. You know, so there are these kind of provocative uh, things that can be done. The, the tension is, the conundrum is, you know, that there are certain patients, especially elderly patients, the data now is suggesting that you know, you probably, it's okay to have a catheter in an octogenarian. And so you have to be careful not to fracture your relationship with those where they have no choice except to have a catheter. 
Have you ever thought of, and just, I'm just, you know, I'm one of those people that gets an idea and then blurts it out. And one of the ideas that came, has anybody ever thought about hypnosis and fear of needles? Um, I've never done hypnosis. I don't know much about it, but um, I hear from patients, they're really afraid of being stuck. And that fear, you know, when you try to show somebody a, a prop or something to scare them, that other fear of the needles overrides the fear you're showing. <laughs> um, and I know that's a huge obstacle because of many patients feel this way. They just are so afraid of it. And, you know, that's why PD is such a great option for patients that have a fear of needles if they have that um, option available to them. You know, if I, if I were somebody on dialysis, one of the biggest things that I would want to know is about my different options for care. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if I was afraid of, if, if I had concerns about needles, I would strongly think about dialyzing at home and using peritoneal dialysis. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the other part that I'd be very interested in is finding out about opportunities for me to get a kidney transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be very, if, if I were, if, if, you know, when you were saying, what would you do if you were, di- you know, what should dialysis patients be doing? I would want to know my options. I would want to know my choices. And then to find out what can I do to be able to take the next step so that I can be receiving what's the best care for me. Right. And I think what is so important for new patients, and I hope this was discussed at the conference, but, uh, you know, we deal with patients every day, you deal with patients every day, but when they're first diagnosed with kidney disease and they learn they have to go on dialysis, I feel a lot of them don't think they have hope. They don't think they're going to be around a couple of years until they get over those emotional stages of shock, denial, fear, anger, depression, grief, and then finally understanding acceptance. And I know one of the large components of quality outcomes is the patient's mental well-being. Was that discussed at the meeting of any programs or strategies that the the medical directors have for emotional well-being of a patient? No, but I think it's certainly something we can discuss uh, should we have this meeting again. Because we want all the patients to be chronically happy, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's, you know, um, I am actually working on an article right now on the different facets of rehab. And from my perspective of living with kidney disease for about the last 43 years and what was available to me and how that helped me progress. And I'm leaving the dialysis unit out of it because there's a lot of resources in the community that can help a patient. And they just need to, you know, tap into those resources if they can. Um, So at this meeting in Seattle, so who do you expect to attend? Are you going to have other speakers? And, you know, because I want the people who are listening to the show to, you know, tell their medical director about it. I forwarded all my information to my medical director to make sure that he's receiving it, encouraging him to attend. And we can get the word out because there's a lot of meetings going on in this community and doctors' times are extremely valuable. I mean, I don't know how my doctor, he must have an extra eight hours in the day to get everything done. But uh, who, who do you expect to come and how can they learn more about it? So we're really hoping that, that nephrologists from, from different clinics will be interested in coming to this, to this presentation, to this meeting. Um, and, and we hope that they can learn the same things that we learned back in March. And hopefully also we'll be able to give some updates on what we've done since March. Um, I, I think to me it's also, if, if, I were, if I were a physician who, had only a, who, who was responsible for the care, if I had oversight for a couple of clinics, it would be difficult, 
I w- it would be difficult for me because I wouldn't know everything that's going on and, and different opportunities to improve care. So I think that this would be a great chance um, to be able to learn more from what others are doing to improve care for their patients. Now, you, you were talking about earlier how the, the medical director of the clinic is really the captain of the ship for the dialysis clinic. Yes. And so to me, if, if the, 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 uh, the patients who are listening to this interview, you know, if they were to talk to their medical director or talk to their nephrologist and say, you know, I really think it would be helpful for you to consider going to this meeting. Um, it would be wonderful. It would be great for them to hopefully be able to come back with new ideas on ways to transform the care for, for people who are on dialysis. And in terms of how they can find out about the meeting, um, the, the website for NRAA is nraa.org, and there's information on this meeting at that website. And I uh, said the meeting was the 1st of October, and I was incorrect. It's Wednesday, September 25th, and it's up in Seattle, and there's direct flights to Seattle from everywhere, and Seattle is a beautiful place to be in September. I mean, I, I think August and September, July, August, and September are the prettiest times up there. So all that, you know, fresh air up in Seattle, it'll be, you know, the perfect environment for clear thinking. <laughs> Well, before we wrap this up, we have a couple of topics that I know that are going to be talked about, and one are going to be oral-only ESRD drugs. And I know that orals, you know, being applied in the bundle in 2016 is going to not be for the faint of heart. It's going to be difficult, and who knows what kind of reimbursement will be there. Um, You're going to be talking about social media in healthcare. And I, you know, actually... That topic is so intriguing to me because some of my friends are on social media with their healthcare providers. And I'm, you know, Facebook friends with people who've taken care of me in the past. And, you know, they may need to take care of me in the future. Who knows? It's an interesting, you know, um, dynamic. But really, social media is the way people communicate nowadays. And we're finding some different trends in that people post about their healthcare issues they don't understand. And I think a lot can be learned from social media of what patients post of where there's gaps. So that should be a really interesting topic. And I I hope I can attend. I have a crazy month in September, but I um, look forward to it. And I think that it's so wonderful that the both of you are, you know, taking this, you know, groundbreak approach to improve care for patients. And I know, uh, Dr. Parker, you've been a pioneer in so many areas. And Dr. Johnson, you are just incredibly charismatic and your enthusiasm could probably change the whole culture of the kidney community. So I thank you for your dedication to people with kidney disease and look forward to all your feedback from the conference. Laurie, thank you for all you do also. I we so appreciate it. You're a pioneer and a zealot and uh, your tenacity is uh, something I really admire. Just chronically persistent. That's all it is. People are like, what? I'm like, you know what? And I, I told, um, I was speaking to Dr. Johnson before, and I'm like, you know what? He's like, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm just trying to keep the dream alive. So every morning you get up with a little bit of chronically persistence attitude, and you just try to keep your dream alive, and there's a lot of obstacles that get in the way. There's a lot of, um, I like to refer to them as Debbie Downers, (laughs) if you watch Saturday Night Live, that try to get in the way of your goal, but uh, ultimately you just have to push forward because, um, you know, it's my life purpose. So I I, I thank you very much for all you've done and for the compliment of what I've done. 
Um, You've done such a fantastic job, Lori. Well, thank you. And I'll just say the website again is nraa.org. It is the National Renal Administrators Association, not to be confused (laughs) with the other NRA. We always get that when I say, oh, I'm going to the NRAA. And they're like, you're going to the National Rifle Association. (laughs) And so don't get confused with that one letter. So have a great day, gentlemen. Thanks, Lori. I appreciate you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Kidney Talk, a program of Renal Support Network. Please make sure to find us on Facebook or sign up for our newsletter at rsnhope.org. Kidney Talk is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment from your physician. Always seek the advice of your own health care provider regarding your medical condition.